Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 100 Welcome, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi, and we're here to talk to you about Thanksgiving. Well, this is our uh, annual Thanksgiving episode. Zellwin, how is the weather on this Thanksgiving week for you? We are having a white Thanksgiving. We still have snow on the ground, and it is very unlikely that we will not have snow by tomorrow. So we are still dealing with snow, and it is very much winter, and I think it's just going to be one of those things where we just might be in, in it now. I don't think this is going to melt away anytime soon. Well, we're in so. the 60s here in Arkansas, so it's going to be a warm a warm Thanksgiving, but that's okay. You know, you don't get that Puritan feel, though, that I, that I crave this time of the year uh, for this uh, feast day, no pun intended. But yeah, it is, uh, it is warm. Uh, we did have a little bit of sleet a few days ago, and I thought of you as I, uh, as I drove in it. I thought Zelwyn would be contented for about five minutes. It's true. But, but it, was, uh, it was not meant to be. It was not meant to last, so it only lasted a little bit. I don't know when we'll get snow, uh, if ever. They say they get more snow here than they used to, and then others tell me we get less snow than, than they used to, so I don't know what they're trying to prove. All I know is what the Almanac says, and it's been about 80-something percent correct for its predictions this year, so hmm. pretty good pretty good track record. But yeah, so warm. Uh, Zellwin, will, uh, will you gather with family? You, you traveling over it, onto the prairie even further this year? What are you doing? Well, we have our Thanksgiving Day service. Uh, which is Wholesome. something that everyone should do, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to be shy about saying it. But family will come, but they're not going to come on Thanksgiving. They're going to come uh, the day after or so. So we're going to have a uh, octave of Thanksgiving. I think is how it's going to end up being for us, which is also wholesome. What about you, Willie? We're just uh, we're keeping it keeping it simple this year. Just uh, just the family. Actually, my LWML is actually providing a lot of Thanksgiving stuff this year. Very, very good ladies we have here um, at the uh, at, uh, at Zion. So uh, I can say that publicly on the podcast. Uh, and they're not, they're probably not listening anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice, like to have uh, the church ladies kind of swoop in and throw all these like Thanksgiving stuff at you. It's pretty pretty wholesome in and of itself. I feel like one of them nineteenth century pastors. You're gonna get paid in chickens or something I'm like that. Get paid in chicken and oats. Start just start riding a horse to church every day. Tell me, tell me what is wrong with that picture? Though. I can't find a single thing. The only problem is I can't find my frock coat. It was lost in the move somewhere. <laughs> How am I supposed to preach without it? You'll just have to get yourself a nice duster, you know, Western it's style true. duster, and then that'll just be your frock coat. You know, I would like to. Uh, I, I, I've seen anecdotal evidence that says that the pastors traveled with their Geneva gowns in their saddlebags, and I suppose that's what they would have had to have done. Sure. I mean, you'll have to tell me what you do sometimes. <laughs> Just kind of throw it on, on the back. Just drape it over the horse. <laughs> right. 
Oh, let's see. So, um, yeah, it seems kind of odd. I don't even have any cryptid posting, you know? Mothman and Thanksgiving don't go together. <laughs> We're going to hit all the word fitly memes that we can this morning, but Thanksgiving is one of ours. Since we've started the podcast, we've done a Thanksgiving episode every season, right? Almost every season. Yeah. I think the very first season we didn't do one for, I don't remember what the reason was. Maybe we just didn't have the opportunity or something. But this, I believe, is like our fourth or fifth Thanksgiving episode. So this this is a meme in and of itself to do this episode, which is which is well. Good. It is it is good to be thankful. We should be thankful to the, the Lord gives us all that He gives us. We should even be thankful for the trials that are put in our way because it brings us closer to Him. Um, and of course, Thanksgiving uh, for us, uniquely American. I know other countries have Thanksgiving days, but that's not what we're celebrating. We're celebrating pure American Thanksgiving. Um, giving thanks unto the Lord, our God. Deal with it. And, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving also combines another one of my favorite things, the highest form of art, which is uh, quaint paintings of turkeys. <laughs> you know, like uh, like uh, old uh, livestock advertisement turkey paintings. Or, if you want to be a little fancier, a Ray Harm turkey print, just on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll be using for the episode picture. We will do our best to find the right one. You gotta find the right turkey. This is where I bore you with the fact that everyone knows, like you don't know it, that Ben Franklin wanted the American bird to be a turkey and not a scavenger like the eagle. You knew this. I knew this, yeah. Everybody knows this, but it's one of those things that gets trotted out every year. Well, because, I mean, the turkey is uniquely American, too, so. Right. He's a noble bird. Noble bird. Um, and a tasty bird. He is tasty, but uh, I do still think ham is superior. I know that's that's haram, but uh, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> Plus, it's more it's more in the way of the gospel to eat ham, you know, or Christian liberty and all that. I know you like that kind of talk, Zelda. I'm I'm not sure if we should continue this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is done, um, but we've chosen today uh, as our text to talk about the Old Testament reading for harvest observance. Right, Zoan? Correct. I mean, you could certainly use the the propers for, you know, Thanksgiving or a day of Thanksgiving, I believe as it's called an LSB. But I think it's equally appropriate to use the propers for uh, harvest observance because, I mean, what is Thanksgiving in its essence but a Thanksgiving for the fruits of the earth, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I and do you want to you want to contend with me on that or no? No, I don't at all. And you know, harvest observance is I don't know, I don't know how common it is anymore. Um, I once served in a parish where it wasn't really a harvest observance that they did, but rogate was always like a blessing of seeds and soil and things like that. And there apparently is some kind of historic precedent for planting and rogate, which I find rather interesting. But that's that's Springs episode. <laughs> You know, your your harvest is well past completed, right? Up your way? Uh depends. Many oh, things are many things are completed. Uh, but there are still some things that aren't and won't be for a little bit yet. Uh sunflowers notably. Oh, of it's, course. I forget about the sunflowers up there. It's it's not uncommon for sunflowers to be harvested in even like late November, December in this part of the world. Because they just they no. have to get totally dried out, so now remind me, Biggs is is your preferred sunflower brand, correct? It's, it's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm I, just curious. I don't, I don't know if I'm real. I don't know if I'm super partial to any one kind of brand. 
Uh, we do have the uh, the North Dakota brand up here, which is pretty good. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but yeah, seeds seeds are extremely wholesome, and uh, you need to get more of them. Right, not to be confused with seed oils, which are unwholesome, and you should get less of them. <laughs> Go with the original, not the uh, right exactly kind. And listen, if you can't find a good sunflower seed, by all means, just chew tobacco. <laughs> This, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Red Man Chewing Tobacco, which I don't know if I've told this on this on the on the uh, podcast before, but I was um, I was back home for a funeral a few weeks back, and the little uh, cigarette slash liquor store in my hometown has inexplicably <clears throat> one of the best bourbon selections I've ever seen, but the single greatest chewing tobacco selection I've ever seen in a store, and uh, I was looking for a pouch of Red Man. And that's when they informed me. They said, I ain't got no red man. They don't make it no more. I said, why? And they said, well, it's America's best now. So you can't get red man chewing tobacco. And I said, why, Emmy? And she said, you know why. And she's right. I know exactly why. Um, (laughs) They take everything from the red man. Red man can't have anything. So you can't get red man anymore. What's grills going to chew? I don't know. Levi Garrett, I guess. (laughs) Mail pouch or something. But um, Kids, stay, kids, stay away from from mouth tobacco. It's a it's a filthy habit, but it will it will keep you awake and, <laughs> and keep your mouth hydrated. I have to endorse that after the uh, after the temperance episode. When is chewing tobacco going to come back, though, Zelwyn? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know, man. Nobody I mean, can we... get no, nobody. Listen, I my big tobacco support is uh, going to lose us a lot of sponsorship dollars. I realize, but. Yeah, all those mega bucks that we make off the podcast. Right, because that's what it's about. Now watch America's Best reach out. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, sorry, enough tobacco anyway. posting. Uh, where were we? Yes, harvest observance. So, which tobacco is a traditional American crop as well. Need it noted here. Anyway, so... Um, so you're growing sunflowers up there. There's still a few things in the fields here. You know, you see you see cotton around and stuff like that a little further south, a little further north. Although I am told that this year and the next year, soybeans are going to largely take over cotton f- for some weather-related reasons or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes, it's always good to, to observe this. Um, you know, in a lot of our agricultural episodes, we talk about this a bit where getting in touch with the soil... <laughs> for lack of a better way to phrase it, working with the earth reminds you of just how precious uh, what we receive from the Lord is, knowing where your food is coming from. And this would apply to livestock too. And as you're working with that, and as you're paying attention to what you're doing, you're more cognizant of the fact that God is providing this and that it can be taken away very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, like growing uh, up, you know, raising cattle, Zelwyn, like you did, did you ever have, um, you ever have anything that just like harmed the cattle in mass or, or, you know, were you, were you aware of that? Was that something on the radar? Like, Hey, we got to do this or it could all be I, gone. I mean, other than like people cutting the fence or something like that. I mean, are you talking like the chupacabra here or what? No, no. See, <laughs> I knew, I knew it would happen. Uh, no, I don't know the. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like I'm talking about crop crop circles or something, but no, I don't know. It's just like, you know, uh, something can come through or, you know, breach birth, something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always there's always risk involved, especially uh, because most of the time in this part of the world, uh, guys try to time their 
calves being born fairly early in the year so that they're a good size by the time they get to selling time in the fall. Uh, but that usually means that uh, they're being born during the winter. And right. that's always a risk because sometimes you have a blizzard that comes in and you'll lose some calves. And of course, when you lose calves, you're losing part of your income. But I don't know if we've ever had anything where like the whole herd was lost, you know, but of course, that's always a possibility, well, yeah. right? Right. You know, I mean, that's the thing, like a weather related thing that we know that comes from the hand of the Lord or DARPA. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's kind of funny. Slowly, word fitly spoken just turned into two old dudes sitting at Hardee's <laughs> talking. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit then about uh, Harvest Observance, the Old Testament reading, Deuteronomy, and then we'll we'll do some more Thanksgiving posting in the midst of that. Zelwyn, where, where are we beginning? So the, the Old Testament reading for Harvest Observance is Deuteronomy chapter 26, specifically verses 1 through 11. Uh, this is Moses talking about first fruits and basically the, the, the right that goes along with presenting those first fruits to the Lord. I think it's extremely helpful because it presents to us uh, different aspects of what it means to give thanks, uh, things that we see very clearly. So I guess, first of all, just to set the scene, of course, the, the book of Deuteronomy itself is Moses giving his final sermon, his kind of farewell sermon to Israel just before they're about to enter into the promised land. And so part of what chapter 26 is doing is preparing them for what they are about to receive, as well as showing them what it means to live as Israelites, live as God's people in the land that they're just about to go into. Do you want to add anything to that, Willie? No, I think it's good. You know, any of the final Moses stuff too, I always find very poignant. Mm -hmm. And you know, you think about and you think about sort of where it comes in the history of the story. Uh, but he's still thankful to the Lord for all of these things, despite what is you know about to happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you know, it is the story. The story of the church is very much a picture of a pictured in the life of Moses and the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. Um, inching ever toward that promised land. And so here we are in the midst of this. We are wandering through the wilderness right now, awaiting either our blessed death or the coming of our Savior. Sure. Buffeted like the Hebrews are and often grumbling like the Hebrews were. And so there's much that we can see here. But being thankful in the midst of everything that comes and then, I mean, you all, I'm presuming, but most of you know the story, you know, of the Israelites grumbling in the wilderness. I keep calling them Israelites. They're not quite there yet, but <laughs> the Hebrews in the wilderness and how they grumbled. And yet this kind of cycle of grumbling, repentance and reminders toward thankfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And then with this too, you know, it's looking towards the blessings that they are about to receive. And it's also a way of reminding them that they are receiving these things by grace um, right. I think that's a fair way of terming it because, you know, they are the, the whole point of Deuteronomy 26 is to show them that everything that they are receiving has come from the Lord's hand. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I do enjoy that. And I believe it's the, immediately the next chapter that pronounces just multitude of curses <laughs> that all the people say is, amen, yeah. amen to. <laughs> <laughs> that part of the law that... Uh, Paul refers to when he talks about the curse of the law. Yeah, it's the, it starts in the next chapter. 
It does yeah. start with the blessings, though, so we'll, we can give it right. that. But right. I'm just saying, I'm going to bring anathemas into the liturgy. We should bring them back. You know what I mean? We should bring them back. I think in the East, they, they still have that, don't they? We're, we but, might we might need to bring back the old uh, um, triptychs or whatever they were that they put all the names on for praying for. Oh, and yeah, you, yeah. And if you were stricken from it, then they wouldn't pray for you anymore. Right. That's Well, that's we do that just with the prayer list in the bulletin. <laughs> <laughs> but so what we're looking at in chapter 26 then is the end of the, the beginning of the harvest during the time of harvest and bringing some of the first fruits that they have received as an offering to the Lord. And Moses tells them specifically how they should go about doing that. Um, you know, saying like you take some of the first of the fruit of the ground, uh, put it in a basket, go to the place where the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. This is in verse two. And basically to bring some of the harvest itself as an offering, as a sacrifice to the Lord, as a way of giving thanks for what they had received. That's the, the first step that we see here. And I think that that's very helpful for us, too, because even though, well, I mean, because I will say this, you know, it is a helpful way to give thanks even today. I don't sure. think there's anything wrong with giving some of what you have received to the Lord, you know, whether that's money or whatever it may be. Right. Or am, yeah. I, am I just being too Old Testament here, Willie? Well, you know, you're being, I mean, yeah, just too, too Old Testament. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that he's recording this while wearing a prayer shawl. And he blows the shofar in between breaks. You take that back. It's not true. It's not true. It's, it's, he does the opposite of whatever that is. Uh, I mean, he's wearing. Well, he's actually wearing a tractor pull t-shirt. It's yeah. It, it was just what I grabbed this morning. So, <laughs> but I think what's helpful for us though is that in the New Testament, of course, you know that because we have become spiritual priests, you know, all Christians are priests. All Christians are Levites to use the language of the Old Testament. Uh, for that reason, the sacrifices that we give most of the time are spiritual sacrifices. You right. know, things Pray, like praise prayer. and thanksgiving. Yeah, praise, prayer, thanksgiving, that sort of thing. So that's very much a part of it too. But I don't think that they're mutually exclusive of each other. No, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, you know, about tithes, offerings, that sort of thing. Um, how that is metered out today. And uh it won't be a stewardship episode, I promise. I don't believe in stewardship sermons and stewardship series, so I probably won't do stewardship episodes. <laughs> so stewardship sermon series, I should say. That you know, that's a that's that's become one of those things like uh, in some churches you just sort of ha- have to do every year. Right. I don't believe you need to shake the tree every year. That's all I'm saying. But shaking the sugar tree might be something else. <laughs> Indeed. We'll be right back with more word fitly spoken right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi, and we're talking about Thanksgiving, thankfulness, and Deuteronomy 26. Well, Zell, let's talk a little bit more about first fruits and uh, what that means for us Christians. Yeah, the, the first fruits, uh, I would say, is not just the first, you know, in the sense of like the, the first thing that comes out of the ground, um, but it is also frequently in the Old Testament the best of something. Um, so it is the the best of the harvest, the best of the the animals, the best of whatever it is that you have. And I think that that's important because uh, giving first fruits, you know, giving this back to the Lord is not just an afterthought when it comes to Thanksgiving. You know, like, oh, I didn't have any use for this anyway, and so I'll give it to God. You know, God actually criticizes Israel at many points for this exact kind of behavior, notably in like Malachi and stuff like that, uh, robbing God and all that. Um, But this is, I think it's important to keep in mind when we are giving back to the Lord, we are not doing it begrudgingly. We're not doing it just as, like I say, as an afterthought, but it is the, the best of what we have. Right. Right. And, you know, a lot of churches want to put a percentage on that because nowadays it translates into net, you know, income, so right. money. But the biblical principle, because they're, they're operating in a different economy. I mean, they do have money, but, you know, they have currency. But it's like you grow 10 potatoes, you bring one potato. You know, right. it's that, that kind of 10% sort of attitude, which I know is in a different text. But I'm not convinced that you can make just from the Bible a case that Christians have to give 10%. Ironically, you could make an easier case that they should give more, but the uh, but the the principle of first fruits, I believe, is still there. That you're giving, that you think of the church, you think, of, or excuse me, you think of God first when you when you're writing those checks. Right, right. So that when you give your potatoes or whatever it may be, uh, you give them to the Lord, and of course, then they become. In the Old Testament, of course, then it was the food for the priests. You know that was that was part of what was what that was all about. But but the the point is is that by giving the best of something, by giving the first fruits in this way, Israel is not just doing it as an afterthought. You know, it Correct. is like you said, keeping God first, keeping Him first and foremost in our thoughts as we give back to Him. Right, and it's of course important to to remember that God doesn't need anything. He's teaching us the sacrificial way for our own benefit, for our own sanctification, if you will. More than just if you will. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, God doesn't need your cattle. God doesn't need your 16 cans of pumpkin pie mix you're going to be stuck with and give to the food pantry after this week. <laughs> but nevertheless, well, then that does kind of, you know, that is, you know, you do mention like you're supposed to give of your best um, or give off the top. And not just give just because you have extra. Now, there's, now you, if you do have extra, you should give it. We're not saying that's a bad thing. But you, but I do see the fruits of this a little bit, like with the food, not our food pantry per se, because our donors are excellent and ours operates a little bit differently. And our school kids are actually quite good about giving to it as well. So we do not see this as our food pantry. Disclaimer. Um, but you see this at food drives sometimes and stuff where people are giving what they clearly didn't want in their pantry garbanzo beans and <laughs> 15 cans of kidney beans and pineapple right those mandarin oranges actually those are pretty good but you know you forget about them and then it's it's a kind of gathering dust in the back oh i'll give this away you know and it's one of those things like you say i mean they mean well 
but it's obviously it's just almost an afterthought. Whereas this kind of first fruits giving would be not just giving the the canned goods or whatever, but like actually giving some of the the best of what you have, like buying specifically to give in this way. If if we want to translate it into our terms, like yes. to buy buy those good the good canned goods and uh, to give those instead of just whatever you have left in your pantry. Well, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Right. And, you know, that's something to think about. (laughs) Said some guy. And here's the thing, too. You know, when you're giving of the best, you might also be entertaining angels unaware. And, of course, the Lord in heaven sees what we're doing. And whatever you do to the least of these, you know, there's all kinds of things that we could be doing, or good that we could be doing that we don't realize. But anyway, uh, back to the first fruits thing. Doing and not letting your left hand know what your right is doing, all that. Yes, yes. Receiving your reward, your father who sees in secret. I mean, it's almost like this is a big part of the Bible. Yeah, it's almost like God's expecting something here. It's at this point somebody will go, What do you like the Mormons? Are you checking W 2s? No. Although I think that that actually is something in some of these big box churches. Like they will they will sit you down in a new membership class. And essentially go over your W-2 or want to see your income and tell you what you should should be giving. I mean, that, that moves a bit into too much legalism. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So you should be gladly giving of these first fruits. We shouldn't have to extort you for them. And that's kind of what that is. You know, I'm not going to sit down with the guy and go, hey, I notice you're not. I mean, somebody can make the argument I could. I know in former times, uh, our churches used to post the giving records of everyone publicly once a year the scandal sheets yes i mean i know you still do that but <laughs> no i i i think i don't think we've done that for many years but <laughs> it, it's it's also just one of these things that you know when we're when we're thinking about what it means to give you know we don't want to like you say we don't want to do it as a we don't want to do it begrudgingly. And I think that's where like the checking the W2 kind of thing can fall into because then it becomes a matter of like, Oh, you need to do this. And it becomes more of a burden than anything. Right. Um, I, I really do right. think that if we are going to give and to give the first of what we have, we should do so out of our free will. Right. I mean, kind of like yes. with Israel bringing uh, contributions for the tabernacle, they brought so much that they actually had to tell them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, that's what it should be. Well, where, where to next, Owen? Well, I think part of giving first fruits is also remembering what we have been given, which is the, the, the second main part of this, uh, this chapter. And this is specifically like when starting in verse 5, where God gives them a kind of, I don't know, do you want to call this a creed? What do you want to call this? Statement of faith? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think a creed's good. You know, he says, A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there few in number, and there he became a nation great, mighty, and populous. And then that 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 keeps going on past verse five. But the point being that giving thanks is not just about what Israel received in the past year. Giving thanks yes. is about everything that God has done, beginning with uh, the wandering Aramean, which I would argue is Abraham. Yes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and recounting all the mighty deeds of the Lord, um, a reminder of what he's done for us. 
and actually, even more than a creed, what you actually see happening here, Zolan, is the formation of a liturgical calendar. Right. And a liturgical service. It's in the Bible right there. <laughs> I won't argue with you. I think it's true. Yeah. I would even call Deuteronomy 26 an Old Testament Thanksgiving. So Sure. There you go. I don't know. So, you said that, and then the Walton theme sort of like playing in my ear. <laughs> so it's not just... It's not just a pilgrim thing. This is this is an Israel thing, right? So there, just with just with no turkeys. <laughs> exactly, the turkey the the fullness had not yet come. Right, this yeah. was the type. The, <laughs> this the, was the the, the quail was pointing toward the turkey that would come. <laughs> and in a way, that's what Emmaus is all about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but where do you want to go with this, Willie? I mean, do what do you want to talk about specifically with? Well, okay. Near me and, and all that. Yeah, so there, there's a lot to unpack here. I guess first I have to, the obligatory, hey, what's this sojourner talk about? <clears throat> and, and what is a sojourner? A sojourner is a, for the lack of a better way of putting it, a resident alien. Uh, someone, <laughs> there you go, yeah. Someone who is living among Israel, uh, who is participating in some degree in the life of Israel, but who is ultimately an outsider. Right, and and so this is obviously the case for open borders uh, and my ma- melting no. pot, right? <laughs> no, the Bible does <laughs> right. The Bible um, tells us that we should be good to the sojourner and the stranger, and that's a right. the principle of hospitality that kind of girds a lot of the Bible, and that's true. We would all agree, but every time this comes up in a text or it takes off on Twitter or something, or we have to talk about citizenship or race or just the concept of borders, they always point to the sojourner being among them as if that means that one, you have to open your doors to everyone as far as your country goes. And that's just not the case. I mean, they're going to go into the promised land and have to conquer the promised land precisely so they can settle the borders. The sojourner is not held to the same legal standard as the the Jew will be, but they still have to live within the Mosaic law to a degree. And certainly the moral law. Well, uh, I, if I remember correctly, the uh, the Passover is bound upon the sojourner. Correct, correct. But but you know, the, so, he, he is bound to observe it when he's in the land. That is true. So, I mean, that, yes. that in itself says something. It's not that um, they are just living among them and doing whatever. They are expected, at least in some degree, to live like Israel. Correct. You know, to- and and I think that that flies in the face of kind of a melting pot view uh, that the stranger does not come in and then dilute the culture that, that, that the Lord has laid down, that they are expected, expected to assimilate uh, to a greater degree than what we would. There's not an amalgamation. Right. Now, when there is a mixing of cultures in the scripture, that's generally condemned because it seemed to have a corrupting influence. Or it's so, seen as a judgment. Or a judgment, yeah. Uh, kind of being conquered by <laughs> foreign people, too. My whole point is to say that they are expected to assimilate, but the people of God are also to be hospitable to them. But they don't compromise with them, which I think is an mm-hmm. important point. But kind of cultivating this idea of thankfulness, they're able to not oppress the orphan and the widow. They're able to not oppress the sojourner be- precisely because they recognize everything comes from God. We are to be good stewards of it. And in Thanksgiving, we can give away to the stranger or the sojourner and not worry right. about lack. Right. 
Well, and also because they were once sojourners themselves. Correct. Correct. And, and again, I think that, to, to, to kind of go back to that, and, and what are we as Christians today? Right. Right. I mean, we are looking for a, a heavenly fatherland. You know, we are sojourners in the midst of this world. I get you the that. land. I'm longing for you. And someday on thee, I'll stand. <laughs> Beautiful. Gonna, this is now a Southern Gospel podcast. <laughs> I mean, why isn't it already? But, <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where part of the remembering what they were, remembering that they were once wandering, that they were once were homeless, that they were sojourners in a land that was not theirs, that they were oppressed there, that they were delivered from it. All of these things they should bring to mind as they bring the first fruits to the ground, because all of that has led up to this moment for them. Correct. You know, and, so it's, it's, it's you know, kind of the great, the great tragedy of it is that they will get the land and lose the land, mm-hmm. get it back, lose it, and then, of course, lose it for the final time in the rejecting of, of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. Apologies to the dispensationalist living, listening. <laughs> well, it's, it's just one of those. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality of what Israel would become is one thing, but this is kind of the ideal. And I, and I recognize yeah. that. That, you know, we also have an ideal when it comes to giving and stuff like that that doesn't always meet up to reality. I mean, right. we are still sinners, but. Correct, correct. Is there anything else in that immediate section you want to talk about there? We're kind of in verses 5 through 11 here. Yeah, I, I think I think the best way to translate this into our terms is that when we when we give thanks, you know, when we specifically sit down and say like, this is what we are thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for this, 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 this. You know, we should not limit ourselves to just what has happened in the past year, because especially because when a year is more difficult than another, like we haven't received all that much, we might be tempted to say, oh, well, what is there to give thanks for? Yeah, this year was a bust. Right. Something like right. that. But then when we when we stop and we think, you know, what has God done for us? He has given us the Savior. He has given us Christian ancestors. He has given us the land in which we live, you know, and especially for like around here, I mean, that often means, you know, land that you know, our fathers had that, you know, that we now have and that someday will be handed on to our children. You know, we can give thanks for a good harvest. We can give thanks for good health. We can give thanks for the family that we have. All of these things should come to mind when we give thanks to the Lord. And I think that's you- helpful to, to bring it. Is it appropriate to give thanks for the crosses and the tribulations that you've suffered? Absolutely they are. Yeah. Absolutely. And as as counterintuitive as that sounds, it is entirely biblical. You know, because it is through those crosses that God brings us to himself. And I don't mean this in kind of the the way that it gets abused often, you know, with the theology theology of the cross, cross, my theology of glory, the biggest No, no, I'll just get myself in trouble if I start talking about things that we think we're that are in the confessions that aren't, things we think that are grand overarching themes in Luther or Lutheranism that just aren't. I don't know what happened in the 20th century, but Lutheranism went off the skids, and it wasn't just Seminex. I think it started with the death of Wham. But that's it did. That was, spe- speaking of judgments upon a nation. <laughs> no, it's it's... It's important for us to keep these things in mind. Yes. And, uh, and we can do that in very concrete ways that I think are helpful to us. 
So right, right. Also, we missed uh, a very important note that Deuteronomy twenty six is the sedes doctrina for the offering plate with the basket. You're supposed, yeah, you're supposed to gather. It specifically mentions a basket more than once. <laughs> it's like you'll put it in a basket. The priest will take the basket. Okay, we get it. You need the Lord prescribed a basket specifically. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and the basket even gets set down in front of the altar. I mean, maybe you need to start putting the offering plate in front of the altar, Willie. Yeah, right. Well, I, I like the custom of some churches. It is a historic custom, like uh, at Easter, to have the foods blessed, and they all bring that, you know. And sure. Y- you used to see food blessings associated with Thanksgiving services as well in other denominations. I'm not saying put a big cornucopia on the altar, per se. That might be pagan. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> But we're but we've Christianized it. We're good, yeah. But you know, bringing those first fruits, bringing those things in to have them blessed and prayed over—that's that's kind of wholesome. Yeah, I wonder was that ever was that ever a thing in your church, or was that something like you said, just in other denominations? Uh, the bringing the uh, the the foods to be blessed, the food blessings. Yeah, that is, if I'm not mistaken, that's Easter in the churches of the East. And then okay. I have seen similar done in I'm going to say evangelical churches, but I mean it in a good way. Not it's not so much that they're having like uh, they don't bring the actual foods they're going to eat to be blessed, but they sort of like symbolically bring something in, you know, jar of seeds, something like that. Kind of like the rogate thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know that that sort of thing. I mean, I guess you can sort of see remnants of that, and maybe blessings of quilts or blessings of backpacks or that sort of thing. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I can see I can see the, the the gears are turning in your head now. You're trying to figure out how to do the the blessing of food at your church now. Well, I mean, it's if it could be done and done reverently, I think it could be a very good thing, you know, because it is a a nice way of reminding of what, you know, the Lord has given to us. And that would include uh, the food that is about to grow or the food that we have received or. Yeah. yeah, This is why I'm very pro blessing. I'll bless anything. You bring it to me. I'm a bless it. Because it does remind us of where it comes from, and we are asking the Lord to bless whatever the X item is, and He will do it according to His will. Are you blessing rings and that sort of thing, too? Well, we do have a general right of blessing, so why not? Yeah, I suppose. There's a right for blessing of a cross, blessing of a bell. One day I'll get to use a blessing of a bell. I can feel it. We're this close. We are at our next break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. We're talking Deuteronomy 26 and Thanksgiving. Well, Zellin, we've come to our third segment here, so where are we going now? 
Well, I think the third and the, the last thing that Deuteronomy 26 talks about when it, it comes to Thanksgiving is that it also means doing good for those, especially those in need. So, But to, to put it in our terms, that Thanksgiving also includes good works. And I realize that I, everybody is <laughs> reeing right now over that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, so... Deuteronomy 26 is actually just another example of faith working through love. Mm-hmm. And you can't get mad at that just because the Roman Catholics use it. The Bible actually says it. And <laughs> uh, that thankfulness, gratitude, and hospitality, whatever we're going to say here, loving your neighbor, all go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And specifically in this passage, uh, what that looked like is using what they had been given to take some of the harvest, to take some of the produce of the land and to give it to the Levite, to give it to the sojourner, to give it to the fatherless, the widow, so that they would also have something. So in other words, to give some of what they had received to those who had nothing, right? Correct. Because the Levite didn't have anything because they didn't have a land possession. You know, the the Lord was their inheritance. The sojourner is just a stranger anyway. And the fatherless and the widow have no one to provide for them. So they are destitute. They don't really have anything right. going for them. So yeah. to give some of what you have to them is part of what it means to give thanks. And the Lord actually is very concerned about the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm using the poor to encompass all those that you said, <laughs> the people who don't have. I mean, that's poor at its most fundamental definition. Um, it's not just all bootstraps and stuff like that, that they're... You will always have the poor, Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we can, the principle is true. If a man won't work, let him not eat. Of course, St. Paul is correct when he says that. But there are people who I know and you know, and we all know who work very hard and still don't have enough food or don't have adequate shelter or adequate clothing. And the Lord calls us all to provide for our brothers in need that that have who have those needs. You know, I, I think it's a good thing for us to practice this kind of, giving and to also be where those people are. And I don't mean so that people can see us working at the soup kitchen, but to, to actually see the faces of the people that you are helping is a good thing. Cause you can actually know them as human beings. And again, it's one of these things where for a lot of people, it's a lot easier to send things overseas or send the focus overseas, something we harp on a lot here at word fitly you know, to see the poor in your neighborhood or the hungry in your neighborhood uh, or in your congregations, you know, those in the household of faith, I think really um, brings the point home and makes it easier to do or harder to do, depending on what which angle you're coming at it from. Right. Yeah. And especially, you know, to, to have that face-to-face connection to actually know who you are giving to, uh, you'll also know a lot better what they actually need. Um, yeah. You know, because... Again, there's there's nothing wrong with food pantries and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with giving aid to people that you'll never meet. There's there's certainly something good and wholesome about that. But too often it becomes like, okay, I'm going to give this generic gift of clothing or this generic gift of food and hope that it will meet somebody's needs somewhere. Whereas if I know this person in particular, like let's say they don't have a coat, I will give yeah. them a coat. Yes, because that's what they need, and yes. I think that that's something very. There's something very wholesome about that. Well, very, need we remind you the story of Winnikin's yellow pants? Right, 
Well, you better tell it again, just just in case. Well, you know, Cliff's Notes version is, um, you know, Pastor Winnikin was known for being very uh, charitable, almost to a fault. His wife, you know, knew that he was giving everything away, like he would give his boots away and everything. Well, he had these horribly ugly yellow, I guess they were deerskin britches made. Sure. Precisely because he was giving everything away. And I forget the story of why he had them made that way, or with that, you know, somebody probably gave him the, the cloth or something like that, but... Our man gave away so much that he had to wear these comically ugly pants. <laughs> well, is this where we bring in Martin of Tours and all that, too? Yes, but I think that's a very good one. Would you like to tell the story of Martin and his cloak? Uh, I don't remember all of it. You might have to, to fill it in. <laughs> so I, Martin, St. Martin of Tours is a soldier, and he is heading into the city, and the city gates close at night, so he is um, he has to sleep outside the gates, and so he... It's cold. He sees a poor man who doesn't have anything, and so he tears his cloak in two and gives half of the uh, half of the cloak uh, to the man and who doesn't have anything. And then, if I get the details of the story correct, because there's a couple different versions, but in a dream, it's revealed that that man that he helped was Jesus, and then Martin's cloak was fit was mended hmm. and fixed. Did I get all the details right? I think so. Yeah. Like, the point was, in his charity, <clears throat> Martin actually served Jesus, and um, it all was made well through his sacrifice there. So, true story actually happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board. Yeah, you all have um, to realize there is an unseen world that these things do happen. I, my admonishment to the audience is, I mean, of course, take everything with a grain of salt, but maybe the reason why you don't see these great workings of the saints today is because you don't believe them and don't have eyes to see. There's there's the third segment fire that we were looking for, <laughs> right? Uh, but I mean, it's we we see. And, and by the way, hold on, hold on, I got to stop because okay. somebody's going to correct me. I know it's pronounced Tor, but I'm an Anglo. If there's an S there, I'm going to say it. Just want to, so <laughs> don't write me a letter. <laughs> but I mean, with with the saints, you know, using them as examples, we see this kind of charity. We see this kind of giving to the point of making themselves even destitute, which I think is an extremely helpful thing to consider. But it's it's always done, like like we were saying originally, with specific needs in mind. Like, you know, Martin gave his half of his cloak to that beggar because that's what he needed, right? He didn't just give us something and say, okay, you go take care of this for me. That's not what yeah. made it that's not what made it so great. And I, I do think that especially when we think in terms of like charity and stuff like that. Again, these things are helpful. These things are good. I'm not saying stop giving charity, but let's, let's start at home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let's start with the people that we know. Right. (laughs) And start with the household of faith. Yeah. Um, There's no reason in our churches that we should have any member who is hungry outside of extreme circumstances, you know, like a famine or something like that. Right. You know, begin with that. Take care of your own, and then take care of your own communities first. And yeah, of course, take care of those who are far off, but don't neglect the people who are near. It just continually amazes me how hard it is to, uh, you know, to get people not not laymen, but to get the um, higher up types. I guess we'll say to get a certain type of uh, of church worker excited for local work among I don't know, let's say poor Southern whites or something like that. Right. Or you know, poor. Northern whites, I guess we'll say, or oil field workers, or whatever. Put put, put whatever spin you want on yours. Right. 
it's yeah, it is what it is, unfortunately. But if even if we can't fix the higher ups, we can at least do what is right, right, and to take care of the household of faith. And I, I really do think that if we were to do more of that, you know, to really consider like who in our congregation needs food, who in our congregation needs clothing, who in our congregation is is hurting this month, even with paying their bills or something like that. And I know right. that, you know, some people get a little proud about that. They don't want to take that kind of help. And I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's okay to let Christians be Christians to you. Yeah. And, and I would say if you're listening to this and you're in the position where you need help, don't be so proud that you won't receive it because that's the hand of the Lord reaching out to you to provide for you. Right. You know, don't be lazy, of course, but don't be so prideful that you won't let the Lord's servants help you. Don't go hungry when you don't have to. <laughs> so so to, to, to apply this to you, Willie, then you should just accept what the LDMML ladies are giving you for Thanksgiving. That's always, always. But but they're awesome. My my ladies are awesome. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's all connected because when we when we take care of those around us, when you know we do the good works that serve our neighbor, that sort of thing, it is also giving thanks to God. Yes. Because we are taking what we have received and we are using it in the service of one another. Absolutely. And what greater, I mean, what greater thanks could there be? Yeah, it's and it's ironic how one of the most temporary things we can give, like food or shelter mm-hmm. or clothing, those types of acts are actually storing up treasure in heaven. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, you think about it too. Even in Deuteronomy 26, even the bringing of the first fruits is itself helping someone else because it was the food that was given to the priests, right? You were, you were helping the Levites and the priests and giving them their daily bread by giving, yeah. you know, to the Lord what he had given to well, you. And I think it's worth us pointing out that, you know, you and I are pastors, Owen, and that's our full-time gig. And we actually are uh, dependent upon the generosity and charity of our members. Mm-hmm. We are the Levites. I mean, we are the priestly class and, you know, after a fashion. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> and, and so we, we do live off, off of their generosity. And uh, we, should, we should be grateful for that. I mean, that's a humbling thing that, that our people would so be so grateful to what the Lord has done and be so mindful that the church is necessary, the meeting house is necessary, the clergy are necessary, that they are going to give from their first fruits to make sure that the church doesn't close its doors. Or that the Lord's workers are taken care of. I mean, the the New Testament tells them to do that as well. That helps. And I mean, and and people want to do that. They want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the humbling thing. It's not like we're trying to, to wring it out of them with a, with a series on why they should be giving us more or something like that. No, this is a case of like, they, they see the need and they provide. Right. And And I know that, that there are people who have horror stories you know, about congregations not giving or whatever. Um, and But that's really not been my experience in the majority of cases that I've seen and certainly not been my experience in what I've been involved with personally. Right. But there are, there are those outliers out there. Uh, but in, in the, in the, in the mean, the main, excuse me, um, you know, Christians want to give and they cheerfully give to the church. And if nothing else, I think it may be a case of 
maybe they just need to know how to give. Sure. You know, maybe they need to see the need. Maybe maybe some of the, the woes that we have are are not seeing the needs that are there. <laughs> you don't receive because you do not ask kind of thing. Yeah, you don't kinda, receive because you, know. you didn't point it out to them, kind of flip that in its head a little bit. <laughs> well, because- uh, well and, and you know, too, <clears throat> there needs to be general giving, but sometimes right. it is easier to get people to give when there's a specific need there. People like to give toward that. Um, I don't think we should put name plaques on everything, but that's a subject for another episode. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's let's say, like, there's a building project, like the roof needs to be Correct. replaced, and you have a, a a drive to to raise funds for that. You know, people do give to that. Yeah, it takes a while, but you know, they they see the need and they they'll fill it, kind of a thing. So, you know, it maybe in terms of meeting the needs of the congregation without being obnoxious about it or intrusive, I suppose. I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to make anybody uncomfortable about it, but just say like, hey, you know, there is this need within our congregation. You know, can we meet it? You know, whether that be food or clothing or whatever it may be, you know, we can we can direct charity in that way uh, so that we take care of our own. And and again, you know, it, it's all going to be really parish dependent because it's everybody has their own crosses. Everybody has their own needs. Mm hmm. And, you know, you're like, I mean, here's an, here's an example. Uh, you've probably got some elderly people that could use their driveway shoveled. Right. The people could help out with something like that, where that's not really a need here. I don't have to dust the snow shovel off that much. <laughs> so it's going to look different. And unfortunately here, it's going to be raking leaves. My least favorite thing in the world to do. Why do we do it? I don't know. It's the most biodegradable thing in the world. And I'm not supposed to be able to leave it on my lawn for some reason. <laughs> you can That's actually enough. burn le- you can actually burn leaves in town here by the way Zelwyn. so that this time of the year it looks like some kind of smoldering hellscape when you drive <laughs> through the neighborhood it's just smoky just set your lawn on fire that's what you need to do Willie <laughs> that's what they're asking me to do the city ordinance said so uh, I mean it's like or take for example you know is there someone in the congregation who can't get to church Yes. Because they're yes. elderly or something. You know, go yes. get them. You know, those- and, 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 and we have um we have a couple of members here who are very good at that, and I won't name them for you know, so that they don't lose their reward in heaven. But it always is very humbling and very wholesome and very encouraging and inspiring when you see that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My my favorite story from here, and I've told them about them before, are the uh Prang brothers, two bachelor farmers who uh or two bachelor uh, brothers who never married uh, being redundant here, but anyway, uh, and they would, um, they would actually go and pick up neighborhood kids and make sure they got to Sunday school and church, made sure they got to VBS. They'd put them in like a cattle trailer and drive them. Very wholesome. Predated the church bus by a lot, but. And, and the cattle trailer, that's, that's a new one, but I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but that's a new well, one. Yeah. And, uh, and church vans were a big thing for a while. We actually uh, lost our church vans in uh, due, due to arson, but that's neither here nor there. But no, d- d- but like you say, I'm getting out in the weeds here, but to, uh, yeah, to, somebody needs a ride to church, go get them. And of course, if you bring them to church, please remember to take them home. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't just have to be family either, you know, because I know people right. will do that for family. Of course, in my part of the world, everybody's family, but that's neither here nor there. True. Uh, it, it, you know, just to really, to, to see the need and to do whatever needs to be done to fill it. Right. That is what we are, that is 
a crucial way of giving thanks to the Lord that we should do more of. I really, yeah. I really yeah. think so. And, you know, uh, use some discernment, step outside your comfort zone a bit, and you'll find yourself even more thankful and, and, and more, more grateful for what the Lord has done. Um, that it's going to be, it's going to be weird and awkward to step out and to do some of these things, but it'll be, it'll be better in the long run for you. Right. We're, ste- we're stepping right up to if you give 10%. If you sow a seed of 100, the Lord will give you back a thousandfold. We're not saying that. I can't promise that. <laughs> but I can promise you the treasures stored up in heaven are greater than the riches of the world. And that when when we lay up treasures in heaven, you know, that is something that, you know, moth cannot break in. You know, a thief right. will, not, will not steal. Rust it cannot destroy. Some, it is something that we should hold on to. I mean... I, I, I can't emphasize enough how much, how central all of this is to the Bible, yeah. you know, to, to, to take care of those in need to provide for the, the household. Yeah, faith. and there's so many encouragements to do it just because it's the right thing. And then there's the other encouragement that the Lord is watching. The angels are seeing you do this. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, you know, all these witnesses to, uh, to what we're doing here, that sh- that's meant to encourage us, not to scare us. You know, not to say, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, am I doing enough? Oh, is an angel keeping a tally? No, the, the, the scriptures tell us these things to say, hey, they're watching you. They're rooting for you. They're glorifying God as you do these things. Because it is God who is at will and at work within you. Yeah. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Indeed. Well, Zoe, we got just about a minute left. Any final words for the audience? For the folks <laughs> at home, we'll say? For the folks at home. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I know it, it's always an excellent time of year. And uh, if you're listening to this, you know, before you go to church on Thanksgiving, you know, go and uh, give thanks to the Lord in that way. That's a very much a crucial part of what it means to, to give thanks. Follow after what God would have us do. And in that way, we can remember everything that he has done and give thanks for it all. Because I really do think that that is the the spirit of Thanksgiving, one which we would do well to remember this day. What about you, Willie? Uh, Well, yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, Enjoy the day. Be mindful of who we are giving thanks to, to whom we are giving thanks, rather. Uh, That will be the Lord. And uh, be mindful of all that He has done for us. Be mindful of all He's given us, both the things of this world, of the temporal things, and the eternal things. This has been the Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zellin Heidi. God love you and God bless. Rejoice in the Lord alway. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.